The following podcast will contain spoilers and explicit language. Hello and welcome to The Other Wrestling Show. My name is Joel and I'm here as always with Mike. And we're going to, on this night, have an all-lightning round edition of The Other Wrestling Show, discussing this week's Dynamite. Lightning round. Mike, so much to talk about. Where do you want to start? Yeah, uh, why don't we... It's Faction Mania all over again. I feel like... (laughs) Every spring, new factions are born um, in AEW, and uh, we got got two two new ones here in the last few weeks. Um, first off, Joel, with the Jericho Appreciation Society, I just love that we know that like the the, the inner circles, like, oh yeah, these are all my buddies, whatever. They're my closest confidants. This one's like, no, I'm Jericho. I'm awesome, and these guys are here to help me do shit. Like, like they're not even hiding behind it. Like, I love you know we. A lot of factions come out from one senior member bringing in young guys to help them stay on top. I just love that, like, they're being very explicit about it. <laughs> like, yeah, it's, it's quite transparent. And I I really like the angle. I thought last week's promo, uh, particularly Daniel Garcia's involvement in it, was fantastic, where it was kind of a little mini swerve where he's like, you know, you're coming out here. You know, I, all my life I wanted to be a pro wrestler. And uh, and you come out here and say that, you know, you're a sports entertainer. Well, then I'm a sports entertainer, too. And just complete shit eating grin right into the camera. And I thought that was really good, especially from someone like Daniel Garcia, who is like pro wrestler through and through. Like he's mm-hmm. a pro wrestlers, pro wrestler. And I really enjoy that angle. And I thought again tonight he was really good with his contributions. Um, but I, I think what I liked the most was their, their kind of sign off, which was, and that's entertainment. I, I thought <laughs> that was a tremendous line. And uh, I really enjoy the simplicity of it. And like everything about this is in your face requires no subtext, no subtlety. It's all right there. And we know exactly what this is all about. And, and Jericho following it up by doing sports entertainment things in these matches is you know it's going to be stuff that we haven't seen in AEW because AEW has been so focused on the pro wrestling and less so on the sports entertainment aspect so I think this is going to be a really cool way to see some new stuff in AEW there's no AEW without wrestling fans hating the phrase sports entertainment like we had to deal with that buzzword for the last 20 years when a lot of us just wanted wrestling again, you know? So um, there's so much like weight behind the phrase sports entertainment from how the other wrestling company has presented themselves, but also like going into like their lawsuits with WWF, you know, how that all came to be. The entertainment was a huge component of what became the next era of professional wrestling after the Monday night wars. So um to bring that to AEW, which is a show that is the anti-sports uh, entertainment show, is just it's just fun. It's instant heel. It's what Cody Rhodes should have been doing before he left AEW. Like Cody Rhodes should have leaned into this and just strapped the mega heel rocket to his back because this is gonna be get over, and we are gonna hate this group. Yeah, 
Absolutely, absolutely. And, uh, you know, physics teaches us that for every action, there's an equal and opposite reaction. And uh, that takes us to the other faction that has formed, which Way better is faction. <laughs> the Blackpool Combat Club, which I don't love cool the name. Ma- oh, you don't love the name? I, I don't the love that it has the word club awesome. in it. Like oh, dude, it's like it's like it's like football clubs. It's like so they're the BCC, you know, like oh. except it's like bullet club with an extra C ah, in whatever. it. Whatever. Like, I didn't there's already a, a, a B club in wrestling. Well, so, there's a, like <laughs> just got an extra C. <laughs> and I know I know like there aren't very many words that aren't already claimed. Like you can't exactly do like Blackpool Combat Society because like you had the straight edge society. Um, you know, you, you have all of these affiliation words that have already been taken, but club just feels so overused. <laughs> they um, should just start ripping off other <laughs> factions from wrestling history to the point where it gets to eventually. It's not even like, like, Oh, it's close. Like they should just wind up as like evolution in like six <laughs> months. <laughs> like what well, we just happened to get here. Um, the name aside, I really like this promo from yes. uh, John Moxley, uh, kind of going into what they're all about, and I kind of like the idea of a faction that you need to be initiated into. It's not just Jericho saying, "Hey, you're good. You're with me. You're with me. You got to fight with me. You have to go the hard way with me." And we saw a little bit of how this new faction is going to impact AEW with uh, Will Yuta and Trent basically saying we don't like each other um and what what did what did wheeler uter uh how do you finish that promo his line was like i'm not trying to be anyone's best friend or i'm Mm -hmm. not trying to be the best friend i can be i'm trying to be the best wrestler i can be and i i think that you know really hits hard because although they've been involved in some of the best matches in aew to date you know the best friends have not really achieved anything in terms Mm -hmm. of kayfabe awards you know they don't have any titles uh they don't have any like signature wins that we could picture and say okay like this was a huge pay-per-view moment where you came through i I mean i guess you have orange cassidy beating chris jericho but you know that was kind of a gimmicky match anyway and that's not the full team that's just cassidy who you know he kind of feels like an addendum to the best friends anyway Mm -hmm. so I, I like this from Yuta, and I think Yuta is somebody who, you know, we've heard him speak now, I think, twice. And both times I've been surprised at how good he is at speaking. Yeah. Um, just because anytime you haven't heard, just like I was surprised when Wardlow was good at speaking, when you haven't heard somebody, the expectation is, oh, they don't talk because they're not good on the mic. So mm-hmm. uh, I, I think that's a kind of a... a a bad habit I need to get out of is just assuming that people can't talk if we, if I don't hear them talk on a regular basis. Yeah, and you know, I bring up these two two new factions, and they're kind of, you know, their mission statements are different. You know, their their inspirations are different. And if you want to lead to like a perfect matchup, you build these two factions up over the next few months, and then you let them go after each other because it really would be these sports entertainment versus fighters um you want a blood and guts match you want blood and guts what three that's how you do it is it two i can't remember how many blood and guts matches it would just be two because the first one never ended up happening yeah okay so blood and guts two you have jericho appreciation society versus the bcc i can't think of a, a better way to get there um 
yeah, this this has been super fun so far. I really just hope that like in my everyday life, sitting at my computer doing Salesforce, William Regal busts into my apartment and just slaps me across the face. That's how I'll know I've like arrived and made it. Um, <laughs> and I, I'm going to enjoy this run of them looking to recruit new members, you know, as you know, they have their matches here over the next few months. Like um, I was during their match with the varsity blondes. I'm like, which one? Could they slap? Like, which Griff. one dessert? Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. <laughs> it's definitely Griff. But... <laughs> the one who's better. <laughs> yes. The one who but... has more potential and a higher ceiling. Yeah. And it's one of those things where, like, if you're a young wrestler in AEW, there's there's probably nothing better than to be slapped by William Regal. It's like a gold star. It's like you are on the hot list. You're on our, you know, our short list of talent. So, yeah. Love this. I love, I love the idea of Lee Moriarty being mm-hmm. in that group. And I know he was one of the wrestlers who was named by Brian Danielson in that initial promo with Moxley. And I think he is a natural fit and someone who would, you know, outside of like scripted wrestling would be thrilled to be working with the likes of William Regal. Uh, mm-hmm. I think he's someone who has an incredibly bright future and a ton of potential and uh this would be a, a perfect fit for him you know if they are looking to expand this group and if they bring yuda into the fold it just makes sense yeah and, and and i think one last thing before you can move on to another topic what i like about both these these factions it's it's veterans that are working with young young guys you know that we didn't want to see daniel bryan brian danielson come in and just only fight the top guys. We didn't want to see Moxley just fight the top guys. Same thing with Jericho. You know, if they can make a big impact, you know, while also helping, you know, younger talent, the next generation per se, um, AEW is going to be in a better position when, you know, either they move on or, you know, they hang it up. It's, I don't know. I just, I don't remember seeing this with like TNA back in the day, you know, when Hulk Hogan came to TNA, guess what? He went straight to the top. Same thing with Christian, same thing with, you know, basically everyone who made that jump. So uh, this just makes me feel really confident about how AEW is going to be developing talent and how they're going to use some of these older, well-known names. Yeah, yeah, totally agree. Uh, that was a long lightning round item that probably yeah, could have been a I stock mean, up, stock down. <laughs> you know, it's it was kind of a two-in-one because we were talking about two separate yeah. things, but... Uh, we'll move on to our official second topic. And uh, I think I'm trying to avoid this whole like this was the craziest thing we saw. And yet we're not talking about it until the end of the show. So we're going to go ahead and talk about the eight man tag match because, my God, this match was like that <laughs> brand of of chaotic spot fest that AEW does so, so very well. And uh I just am continually impressed with a, what is he, 62-year-old man in Sting (laughs) uh, continuing to do crazy spots and looking better pretty much every time we see him in the ring. Like, I remember that, like, he looked good and we were impressed when he had his initial matches, but it was like, you know, he's moving well for a 62-year-old. And now it's like, (laughs) he's moving well. Like, just no qualifiers needed. He is just moving well. And uh, I, I like that he gets kind of this deranged clown look as his hair starts to uh, <laughs> dry. You know, get, yeah, dry out and get a little bit poofy. It's uh, it's fantastic. I love it. You, you know who has underrated deranged uh, clown hair? 
The butcher? Seth Rollins. Like when his hair dries, it gets so fucking poofy. I, I believe it. Yeah, like you I kind of need when... to be a little bit balding though, or have thinning hair to get the <laughs> full-on clown effect. That's true. That is true. Um, yeah, this match was just fun. Just seeing Jeff Hardy jump off of things, just it's always gonna bring me back to when I first got into professional wrestling and uh the Hardy boys. I you know, I met them at an autograph signing when I was in seventh grade, so they're always hold a special place in my heart. So that was fun. Um, I just they, wonder, I, I just wonder if, if when they get to the arena to do like walkthroughs and stuff, does Jeff first thing, if he knows he has a match, just walk around the building and be like, I'm gonna jump off that. Yeah. Yeah. I, it's, um, yeah, it has to be, you have to scout these locations, man. Or I wonder if they have like an intern on staff whose only job is to find things for wrestlers to jump off of. Um, so it's, it's probably one of Peter Avalon's many jobs. I know he does a ton <laughs> of stuff behind the scenes. He's just, Hey, you good know. for him. Good for him. Absolutely. Um, I'm big fan. Big fan. Yeah, just really good stuff here. It's it's, you know, this is what you want the Hardy Boys to do if they're going to be the Hardy Boys in in AEW to start. Maybe we'll get some, you know, broken universe stuff down the line, some cinematic stuff, but this was fun. This Absolutely. Was fun. All right, let me uh oh, one last thing. I am just constantly impressed by how ripped the butcher is. Like Jesus, when your band breaks up, apparently you get revenge bod and just go fucking <laughs> wild. <laughs> so props to the butcher because he looks fucking scary. I love that man. <laughs> indeed, um, indeed. All right, something else I wanted to talk about: the opening match. Uh, Dax Hardwood is so good as a singles wrestler. This match was so much fun. Um, don't know else what to say. CM Punk, Dax Harwood put on a show. Um, and I love their little interaction about who loves Bret Hart more on Twitter. That was really funny. It's uh, it's Dax. It's it, Dax. It, it, it is Dax. 100%. Which one of them is on a weekly basis tweeting out screenshots of what Bret match they're watching that day. Like Dax Harwood is literally always watching Bret Hart. Mm-hmm. Always. And it shows too, because like, Damn, he just gets better and better. Um, I remember when Scott Dawson was the the guy that you fought in NXT before you moved into a title picture. Like he was the singles guy that you would go out and have like a 15 minute scrap with that would legitimize you as a competitor when you were a new debuting talent in that company. And uh, he was the guy before Raul Mendoza was the guy. Once he uh, teamed up with with Cash and they became, you know, a tag team, then they had to find a new Scott Dawson to to do that job. And uh, Dax just continues to be that guy and can go out and have a tremendous match with anybody. Not that CM Punk is a slouch, but like <laughs> we don't always think about tag team wrestlers as being able to go out and put on a clinic like that. And obviously we know Punk can do it. And Dax was just showing off here. This was a slow match. Like it was not worked at an incredibly fast pace, but it was built in such a way that by the end, it was incredibly compelling. And you're kind of on the edge of your seat watching to see like, who's going to get the advantage. How is this going to go down? Uh, Really intelligent false finishes in this one, Mm -hmm. which I enjoyed a very cerebral match. Well put together. Can't say enough good things about it. And we had a really good promo for them later on. Uh, kind of a face promo. when talking about, you know, respect and, you know, how they're going to beat up uh, um, 
Billy's kids, which I think thought was really funny. And one of my buddies pointed this out for me. Did you notice that they had like pink lighting behind them on like the garage door throughout this promo, like this segment? Oh, they've been dropping so yeah. many hints so since many hints firing like- Tully that Bret Hart is going to be managing them. And I, ho- I hope he never shows up. <laughs> I, hope I mean, just- <laughs> if it's just, you know, because they love Bret, that's cool too. But how fucking awesome would it be to have Bret Hart on regular AEW television and, you know, just being involved, being around, being in the locker room. I mean, what a wealth of knowledge and someone mm-hmm. who could do so much good, um, who's kind of not been very much a part of the business for a long time. And I, I think it would be cool to see him in a place that uh, would honor and respect mm-hmm. what he's done in the business. And uh, I think AEW is the place, regardless of who you are, that's going to understand and respect your contributions to pro wrestling. Yeah. And you have to feel too like there has to be some sort of respect to Tony Khan with how they're handling everything with Owen Hart and the Owen Hart Foundation. Like that can't go without saying. And we we've seen Bret Hart with AEW briefly uh, when he presented the AEW Championship back at the what first pay per view, something like that. Um, Very early on, yeah. So yeah, I I think it could really work. And I love this FTR eighties music. They look awesome with the AAA title belts on. Like they just have a cool look right now. And I was kind of worried about what they were going to do with them. Cause they've kind of been, you know, in and out of the picture here for the last, I don't know, six to eight months. Um, and also the young bucks just changed their bio to, yes, we're coming to Mexico on for four thirty. Also. Yes. We plan on bringing the AAA tag team types with us. And lastly, yes, we are aware of who currently has them. Give me this match. Give me this match on TV. We need it again. Yeah, Triple Mania is shaping up to be pretty wild. Um, There's actually there's a ton of really good wrestling Mm -hmm. shows coming up. It is that time of year. Uh, And I guess if if we wanted to, we could get into that maybe a little bit later on uh, because there is an AW tie into a lot of this stuff. Mm -hmm. Uh, But I know this this is nothing like listeners don't care. We need to do our, our, what we've talked about in the past of going to WrestleMania weekend and just doing every other wrestling show, but WrestleMania. Um, cause I miss like the, whole, like if you haven't been to a WrestleMania weekend, it is so much fun because there is indie wrestling from like Thursday through Sunday, pretty much 12 hours a day. If you really want to, like, it is so much fun. It's such a great environment. And yeah, both just times see, like, we've gone to WrestleMania together, WrestleMania itself has been like my least favorite part of the weekend. <laughs> like it's all about everything else that happens. Everything yeah. else is so much more enjoyable. Like if you haven't done a WrestleMania, you should do it because like it's, a it's an experience. Yeah. But like truly once was enough for me. <laughs> and we went twice. <laughs> I, I was thrilled. <laughs> I was thrilled to to be at Kofi Mania. Like that was oh. special. Um, but now that I've been there for something that was special on that level, I don't feel the need to ever go to a WrestleMania again, but I would totally go to a WrestleMania weekend yeah. and just go to all the other shows because yeah. there is Apple so Con, much super card of honor all times. I mean, it's, it's, it's paradise for a pro wrestling fan. Yeah. Well, we, we got to look into that now that, you know, things pandemic wise seem to be a little better. Um, but let's move on. Joel was, was that me? That was my topic. What's your next topic? 
Yeah, uh, well, I have to fulfill my contractual obligations and talk about <laughs> uh, our AEW champion, yours and mine, Adam Page. Yes. Uh, who was uh, in the ring tonight. We had a little confrontation. We had him coming out and not taking too kindly to being called a coward. And um, I, I just have to say, I, I don't appreciate um, what Adam Cole is doing here. I, I, and <laughs> I just like it on record that he's being a big old jerk. And uh, I don't like it. Uh, what I found interesting about this segment was Hangman Page pulling off his belt and started to beat Red Dragon <laughs> with it. And now all I want is a Hangman Page Adam Cole strap match because we've All seen Frankie Kazarian. Yeah, uh-huh. Uh-huh. we know what I, Hangman Page can That's do. That's probably that the match. single match that we talk about the most on this show. It's like so, it's so obscure. I feel like we should go back and watch it because it might not be that good. Like we were well, there, and that can create such a bias to your experience. This, but the thing I remember about that show too is that's where we sat low for that one match, and we're like, ah, let's go see if we can sit high and just see what it looks like. So we were like four rows back from that match and just seeing those actual oh, yeah. we were up close trap shots yeah um so yeah that, anywho that'd be a fun oh, way we, to we talk about it like dude. it's we savage steamboat at wrestlemania three you know like I, I think we need i think we need to do a bonus maybe we'll do that when i'm when i'm down in may maybe we should rewatch that uh that best in the world and just do a bonus episode on that best in the world yeah, i'm not sure how to do that like oh yeah honor club i think is dead yeah, it's uh I, I don't know maybe, how maybe I can order the DVD somewhere. You know, once it's on uh you know allegedly HBO Max, then uh we can totally we'll do, do that. a rewatch. Um but I, I want to stay on this uh Adam Cole for a second. This was a really fun match between him and Jay Lethal. Yes. Um this was Jay Lethal's, I think, first match on Dynamite since his debut. Um he's been mainly on, you know, uh Dark Elevation, and then I know he's been on Rampage recently. Um, but this was super fun. Um, I I guess I honestly thought he was going to get the Jay Lethal was going to get the win here. Like that's how this match kind of felt. But Cole got the win. But pay, uh, Lethal had a great showing. I liked the uh, Lethal injection <laughs> counted into a dick punch. Haven't seen that before. Um, I'm sure it's happened other places. But for me, that was the first. So, I mean, these two have history. I mean, they were in yeah. Ring of Honor at the same time. Uh, Jay Lethal was, you know, a big baby face when Adam Cole was having his Bullet Club run. So I was excited to see this match. I knew these two work well together in the ring. Uh, and it's been a while since I've seen the two of them go at it. So this was fun. I really enjoyed the technical counters and reversals in this match. I thought it was really cool to see you know, the way they strung that together with both guys trying to get the advantage, trying to get the hold that they wanted to put on and, you know, eventually lethal getting the upper hand, getting the figure four on and that, you know, leading to the intervention by uh, red dragon. So, you know, this was a good match, well put together and, and really enjoyable. Yeah. Well, let's, uh, let's move on to another thing. And I just wanted to touch on this MJF promo. Um, I, I can't keep every week. I'm just like, this guy's so good. This guy can never do wrong on the mic. This was great. My one thing though, we know his contract isn't really with MJF. Like I know that like I need to just go kayfabe here and just be like, lean into it. But in my stupid brand, I'm like, fuck you. No, he's not. It's like, it's like the Seth Rollins. I don't have a match on WrestleMania. 
if you can't get a match on WrestleMania when it's two fucking nights, piss off. You shouldn't be on in WWE. Like it, it's a story. I, like even when it was the JBL, Shawn Michaels, like you work for me. I'm going to make sure your family is provided for. Cause you lost all your money in the like economy. It's, I don't know. I just, my brain's like, that's not true. <laughs> and, I, and I know I like, it's a cave fabe thing. That I just need to like lean into, but I've never liked these type of like, you actually are contracted to me, not the company. So when Patrick Stewart was playing Professor X in the X-Men films, the whole time you were like, just get up and walk, you motherfucker. No, 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 no. It's okay. I hate you, but it's just like, <laughs> like I, and we, I, I have a feeling where this, the story is going to go, where it's going to be MJF versus Wardlow with Wardlow's contract on the line. Like he will really like let him free. Uh, if he can win or something like that, like it's going to lead to that. I just, I, I've had, tr- I always have troubles with this when it comes to the, like the employment, <laughs> like we, we know, like didn't Wardlow get a, an all elite uh, thing back in the day? Like, I don't know. Uh, me. Actually, I don't think he has. I don't think he has. All because right. Because well, he's always been an attache with, uh, with MJF. So I don't think we ever got, cause there was no need for there to be a Wardlow is all elite thing. Um, because he was just always with MJF, so I, I I don't remember ever seeing that. Okay. Um, but I did like I did like ten security guards holding him back. Like it was just a really funny visual, <laughs> but also like okay, he's really fucking strong. It took ten people to hold him back. Yeah, yeah, I like that. I, I like that they didn't do the silly like okay, big guy gets down in a crouch and then like pops up and launches 10 people because like (laughs) Wardlow is big, but he is not that big. No, Keith Lee is that big. Yes. Brock Lesnar is that big. Uh, Yeah. I also like that. MJF took time to say, Hey punk, we're not over. Like we may be for now, but we're going to have that third match at some point, just planting the seeds because they can revisit that. That's like break and break in case of emergency. Hey, we need a really good story for all out MJF punk. Cool. Let's go. Um, I'm curious if what we saw tonight is going to signal Wardlow being off TV for a hot minute mm -hmm. um, because he's being forced to stay at home um, and they can keep him kind of his name in the storylines. But that would allow MJF to kind of have a little mini feud with somebody else. And then for Wardlow's contract to expire. And that be like the big moment, you know, kind of like a holdout in professional sports when they're like, I don't want to play. And they just mm-hmm. kind of have to wait it out until their contract expires and they can sign with somebody else. So I, 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 mean, I tweeted one of my, I not tweeted. I texted one of my buddies that MJF is WWEing Wardlow here. He's just going to have him sit on the couch until his contract expires. <laughs> like it's pretty much what they do when they don't have anything for you. Yeah. I, I'm waiting for the inevitable Wardlow buys his own front row ticket. And like holds <laughs> in the air, which COVID classic, not, classic yeah. for a wrestling bullshit. I, I love the, it. The, the problem with that now is that there's no paper tickets anymore. So like you don't have the visual of him like holding his ticket I mean, in the he air. He can hold up his phone. We have HD. You could see the guess, digital I'm ticket. Just, I mean, I'm just saying like him like holding the ticket and it flapping in the wind is like it's a visual you always see when someone's like, I'm going to buy you could, front row. You can print out a ticket. Old people do it all the time. I don't know about the, some of the arenas down by you, but like you literally can't get paper tickets anymore up here in Massachusetts. Has I think to be that's digital. a Northeast problem because I- every event that I have been to, 
in in the South, uh, paper tickets very much still exist. We take every opportunity we can to fuck with the environment. You can't use like cash at Gillette Stadium anymore. If you want to use cash, you have to go to a machine outside the stadium, put your money into it, and it will give you a prepaid Visa gift card to spend in the stadium because they don't do cash transactions anymore. It's because they watched Logan Lucky and they were like, we're not falling for that shit. Never seen it, so I don't know the reference. Oh, you should. That's a tremendous movie. Well, add um, it to the list. We can watch it when I'm down in. It's a, it's a really it's a really enjoyable heist flick, but it centers around stealing cash from a sports venue. Oh. so yeah, that must be it. Um, God, <laughs> I love our random things. Uh, I think I picked <laughs> that one, or did you? No, you picked. I don't know who picked that one. You got anything else? Yeah, uh, I really enjoyed uh, Jade Cargill rattling off all of the things that she wants at her celebration. I thought this was some <laughs> of the most natural sounding yeah. um, delivery that she's had. Uh, she just continues to get better and better at all aspects of pro wrestling. And uh, I just wanted to shout it out because I thought it was really good. Yeah, and I'm going to dive into, you know, I, I've taken an in- improv class before. I'm starting a new one next week. And like when they talk about like when you're doing a monologue, have a consistent theme or a consistent thing you can keep referring to her. Keep going back to green and incorporating the color green in different ways into her celebration. Uh, I thought was really, really good. And she's just becoming more comfortable in those spots. And, and what she ended with like, cut the shit, Tony. Like that made me yeah. laugh. That made me laugh. That was so yeah. random and so funny. I'm like, this is so good. Um, Tony who had done nothing. Like done nothing. Cut the he shit, wasn't Tony. like trying to interrupt her. He wasn't trying to like bring it back to a match or anything. Mm-hmm. He was just standing there holding the mic. And I just, I love that. It's like when someone gets told to shut up when they're not talking, it's, it's mm-hmm. always a little bit funny. Yeah. Yeah. It was really great, man. And, and, Something I liked like about this Jay Cargill, you know, like undefeated streak and title defenses, it reminds me of like Rocky, was it Rocky Three, where you find out that like Rocky is only fighting like chump contenders, like pan picked by management. I can't wait till they pay off of her actually facing someone who can like kick her ass back. Um, because that that's gonna be a moment when we get a legit challenger for here for her where, oh, maybe Jack she actually will lose the belt to this person. Well, I, I like is. that they've been sprinkling in like some longer matches. Like it's mm-hmm. not like the Serena Deeb five minute um, professor thing. Like, yep, they ha- she has had some longer matches and more competitive matches and done that really delicate balance of being a dominant monster, but also looking vulnerable, something that Miro is really, really good at. And uh, I, I think she's got that down pretty well also um so so that's all positive i really like the direction that they're going with her and i agree like especially as we start to get to some of these bigger round numbers like you know 30 40 50 exactly yeah like those all need to any anyone that's a five or a zero needs to be a bigger deal opponent and start bringing in like some big names from the indies and yeah, from around other like... promotions for some of these one-offs, because you don't necessarily need to bring them into the company long-term, but like if you can get a champion from another promotion on loan um, and, you know, work it out to where, you know, they're okay with their champ taking the L to Jade Cargill, which they should like, it's not, 
it doesn't hurt you to see your champion lose if they're losing on a stage like that to a champion like that. It yeah. elevates your brand. It gives you exposure. So uh, this is, you know, this there's is a lot I of wish, cool things they could do. This is why I wish that WWE had a, a, a better run for women like 15 years ago, 17, 18 years ago, because then you could have all these like legends to come in like that she could beat, you know, like it. Or like, here's a name. Like, I know she's retired and she's producing now, but like, Gail Kim coming in for a one-off to say, "Hey, let's go." Like, Gail Kim could work back in the day, or someone like Mickey James, Jazz, like, Jazz. You know, some like people like that. Um, I, I think mean, Mickey really... James is a name that could actually happen. You know, Mickey like James she's still happen, wrestling. Yeah. She was just in the Royal Rumble. She was just Impact mm-hmm. Knockouts Champion yeah. up until she dropped the title to Tasha Steeles a few weeks ago. So you know, they're there are big names out there that could guess, put on a really good one-off match. Like, like, you know, when we look at former WWE guys and AW, like, yeah, there's some guys who weren't, you know, never reached the top in WWE, but are still really good. You know, like Matt Hardy, Christian, you know, guys who were like never were considered like the top guy, but were, you know, reputable. Uh, you could look at them as a serious contender. I just feel like that gap of just not giving a shit about women's wrestling and the biggest wrestling company in the world really kind of hurts what they can do with kind of pulling people in for kind of filling these spots that we're talking about. You know, if you look at the women's division, AEW, there's not a lot of like, you know, we don't have the stings or the Matt Hardy's or the Christians working with the younger talent there. Um, you know, Serena Deeb is probably the closest we have and it's, you can see what impact she's had working with people. So, I just wish we there was and I'm sure there I'm sure there are people out there like I'm not trying to disrespect like women's wrestling from 2000 and 2010 but in terms of like TV names that you will know from that WWE history that's just part of it also like part of it also is like the damage that they did to their bodies right like Mm -hmm. Victoria would be a perfect person for what you're talking about and she was an amazing wrestler but can she still physically do it? I, I don't know. She had so many injuries. I mean, by the end, she was coming out with, you know, two knee braces on looking like Stone Cold Steve Austin. <laughs> Which, and, you know, good look. You know, still crushing it. But well, that's like that's why that, that like the rumor of like they were Lita was close to signing with AEW before they brought her back yeah. to do stuff like that was really disappointing to me because I think Lita would be someone that, hey, she has name recognition. She's really experienced, really talented, and she can still go, you know, at her age. Like she would have been mm-hmm. I, like, that's a sign I really wish they got done because I think it would have that kind of Christian like impact that we've seen from in the men's division. But I think I think a lot of those names that you would draw from have retired due to just not physically being mm-hmm. interested in doing it or able to do it anymore. Like, you know, jazz is a name I threw out there. Um, uh, Kia Stevens uh you know that's awesome kong for the uninitiated (laughs) um there's there's a lot you know there's some really really talented wrestlers but they're you know in in a state where either they don't want to do it or they physically can't and And, uh, i do think that too mm -hmm. is they're under those legends deals with wwe where maybe they could but they're just they got that nice steady stream of income coming in without having to really do much. So, you know, that's another thing too. Um, I want to kind of stick in the women's division here. I didn't really like 
Uh, Thunder Rosa's first moment as champion, having a green card joke thrown in her face by Vicky Guerrero. Yeah, yeah. You know, we talk about what we like on this pod and we, and we talk about what we don't like. And uh, this is a firmly don't like, like, what the fuck? Yeah, it was really weird. Um, it just, like, you don't need, like, when you come off a big championship one like that, you don't have to immediately set up the next story right away. Like, they could have had to come out, just said, thank you, you know, it meant so much to do it here. I'm going to be a fighting champion week in and week out. I'll see you next week on Dynamite. Like, they could have done that, and it would have been fine. You could have still set up this angle. And then you had the, like, the thing that, like, the stupid green card joke. I'm, um, I'm just from really, really sick and tired of the complete and utter lack of creativity and originality that leads to using casual racism, sexism, homophobia, geopolitics, what have you to get heat. Like, Oh, you mean the Lucha Horace comment from Dan Lambert tonight? Sure. Take your pick. <laughs> like it's, and it's not just AEW. it's fucking everywhere mm-hmm. in pro wrestling. And it's just tired. Like yeah. do something interesting anything interesting but this is not interesting it sucks and i hate it and thunder rosa deserves better nyla rose deserves better yeah i i'm looking forward to (laughs) i i I text my buddies like hey do you need your champion to have a first feud that they're guaranteed to win bring in nyla rose (laughs) because she she's gonna put on a great match we're gonna love it she's not gonna win she's not gonna win and then she's going to go back, you know, doing evolution, evolution, elevation, elevation, um, dark. And then, you know, they'll bring her up when, you know, the next champion takes over. Cause and for, for the millionth time for me, like, I just don't understand why Vicky Guerrero is there. I don't understand what she's adding. Yeah. It's not like she's paired with someone who can't talk. Nyla Rose is Nyla Rose is like, great really on, the, on mic, the mic. Really good so much more compelling and like i just like vicky is go away heat truly go away heat get off my television i want to (laughs) change the channel i don't want to see her get beat up i don't yeah i don't i just don't want her on my tv and i especially don't want her screaming and peeking the speakers (laughs) and frightening my cats yeah yeah, well, the the show turned a little negative here the last few minutes, but since we didn't record last week, Joel, why don't we talk about uh, that steel cage match last week um, for the the women's championship? Uh, I just rewatched it earlier today. Um, a plus ring gear night from both ladies. Uh, you had um, Britt Baker and her Scott Hall inspired mm-hmm. uh, gear, and then it looked like Thunder Rosa was. Aquaman? Was I getting that right for like the green scales on the pants? Like, oh, could have been. Yeah, I didn't Aquaman, make that so. connection, but but yeah, totally could have been. Now that you mention it, yeah, uh, I I really enjoyed this. Um, I I remember you texting me something about like timing issues. It definitely felt at rushed like, at the end. Yes, yeah, to get to the finish and everything. You, like with thumbtack moments, you kind of want the person to linger mm-hmm. on the thumbtacks for a second. And Thunder Rosa just popped right back up because, like, like you said, I think they were running out of time. But overall, it was like, it was I, Brit actually oh, that Brit? popped right okay. back up. Yeah, um, and, and I think th- this match would have been like a letter grade and a half better if it had been two and a half, three minutes longer with mm-hmm. literally nothing added to it. 
Yeah. Just two and a half to three minutes for them to just sell and drag out that. I mean, not even drag out because that's the wrong expression. It's like give let's, that let's time to breathe. breathe. Yeah. Yeah. Like um, when, um, was it Brit who fell off and fell onto the stack of ch- uh, chairs? Yes. I can't remember. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like that, you could have added 30 seconds to her just in pain on the ground, mm-hmm. but they immediately transitioned into like the next spot. And it's not the performer's fault. Like, I feel yeah. bad for them there because, like, it, it feels like either they weren't scheduled enough time to do what they needed they to do in this to, match yeah. and, and what this match deserved, or they were supposed to have that much time and somebody else went long. Uh, but well, I felt the same way about tonight's show, too, because they went to commercial break. Like, there was a commercial with five minutes left in the show, like, where they had to, like, get in their, their final commercial break during that main event. Um, and same thing, like the match ended and then 30 seconds later show over. Um, so I don't know if there's just some weird thing going on with timing. I, I wanted to talk about that women's match to be positive and I feel like we just like, we're, well, but. I mean, let, let's, let's be positive about it because like production stuff aside, tremendous match, like mm-hmm. really, really good stuff. Uh, I thoroughly enjoyed it. And uh, kudos to both competitors because they've had a great feud and this was well built and well executed with the exception of the the timing piece, which like it wasn't really pronounced until um, until the first ref got taken out. Mm-hmm. And that was kind of when things accelerated a little bit. Yeah. And uh, but I, I just really enjoyed the way it was put together and it put over in a big way the degree to which these two you know hate one another yeah um and and i I think there were some stiff shots in this match which i think both of these two like to work that way which is one of the reasons why they work well together um just based off of interviews that i've heard with them talking about it and uh you know the right person won and and that often is the most important thing in how we remember a match and think about it and think about a feud is did it accomplish what it set out to do? And I think, mm-hmm. I think it did. I think this feud, we can put a, a bit of a bow on it and say a plus we got where we needed to go. And even if it was a bit rushed, I thought this match was a great way to cap it off. Yeah. Yeah. And the, the main thing I took from this whole story, this whole feud going back to last year is it, it made Thunder Rosa star like a, a, a like mainstream star in American professional wrestling. And, you know, we always talk like, can they make stars in the women's division? Can they really? And like Thunder Rosa was a big star beforehand. Like, I'm not trying to say like, Oh, she really became herself in AW, but like hearing those chants, I know it was in Texas, but like fans love her. When I was in Orlando for revolution, Thunder Rosa was a huge pop when she came out. Like, she connects with the crowd. Um, I'm not trying to pick another uh, Hispanic wrestler, but like I get similar vibes with her and Eddie Guerrero in terms of just like the love that fans have for her. Um, yeah, and and she she brought it in the ring. It was awesome. So I'm I'm glad she's champion. Maybe Britt takes a little time off. You know, I told you my main concern is what does Britt Baker do post championship. I'm really excited to see what they do with her and how she handles it. Um, yeah. So Joel, I got one last thing I want to ask you before. Uh, we call on night and because we didn't record last week, you know, Scott Hall, Razor Ramon passed away last week. Uh, we were both big WCW guys. So I just wanted to, you know, 
What's your favorite Scott Hall memory from your from your early days of wrestling fandom? I mean, this is going to sound a little bit silly, um, but for me, um, I grew up in a household where I was not allowed to watch pro wrestling. And I remember when uh, we my brother and I borrowed secretly the (laughs) WCW versus NWO uh, world tour for N64 from a friend who lived across the street. And, you know, we had to play it and kind of hide that from our parents because it would not have been permitted. Um, And my best friend at the time and I always played as Hall and Nash. And it was, you know, what got me into pro wrestling. It was how I learned the moves and like learned that, oh, this is a thing that exists and you know gave me the spark to seek it out and find ways to watch and get into professional wrestling and even in this you know pitiful 64-bit pixelated (laughs) video game hall and nash were the coolest and it was clear that like oh these two guys these two guys are the coolest and uh, so i've always you know had an affinity for scott hall and, and for kevin nash uh because of that and and those memories of like playing n64 with my best friend and uh you know it was a great time so uh so that's what came to mind for me first and i know it's kind of weird because it's not actually pro wrestling but but that was uh that was what came to mind yeah uh, for me I, i think i've referenced this story so many times before but uh when i first moved to north carolina i i was nine years old or eight going on nine. And I just, I, I gave my parents hell. <laughs> like I didn't want to move. I was, I had a great group of friends in Texas. I had, you know, as a, as an eight year old, having a male teacher was so like cool. I had a male teacher for my third grade. who like played football with us during recess. I had a boy scout troop that like, we just did so much fun, cool things together. When they moved, made me move. I was miserable. The first two months in North Carolina, I was so so depressed and we had um family friends who lived in the area and their older sons they were like probably 13 15 they watched wrestling and i was a wcw guy so i would i would watch nitro and i remember like in a way to kind of bribe me to get me over my sadness my parents let us order or they paid for us to watch a pay-per-view and it was uh god super brawl nine and one of the marquee feuds of that pay-per-view, well, marquee in my mind, it might not have been that big of a deal, but in me, this was the main event. It was Kevin Nash and Scott Hall versus Rey Mysterio and Conan. And the mat, the stipulation was Rey would lose his mask if uh, the Luchadors lost. And I just hated Kevin Nash and Scott Hall. Hated them so fucking much. And I always wanted to see them lose. And... I remember they they beat Ray, they beat beat my favorite wrestler, and I was heartbroken. Ray took off his mask, and then the next night, Kevin Nash with Scott Hall versus Ray Mysterio. Ray Mysterio gets the win over Kevin Nash, and I'll never forget like for like the next month, Nash and Hall just being butthurt and pissed on Nitro. It was wonderful. It was wonderful. <laughs> um, so that was probably more of an outsider's NWO memory, but um and yeah, Scott like I hated Scott Hall, but like he just looks so cool. You know, like he like he had such a cool look. And if you, you know 
when I had the network before it was on Peacock, when I still watched the other wrestling company, I would go back and watch all of those legendary matches that people said you had to watch. And that ladder match between Razor Ramon and Shawn Michaels at WrestleMania. Awesome. Like that's one I went back and watched as well when I had the network. Yeah. Absolutely tremendous. And imagine being a fan back then and never seeing a ladder match on TV. Cause I'm sure they happened in other like smaller promotions and whatnot, but just to see that. And then also like it all goes back to that. All the ladder matches we love over the last 20 years of wrestling fandom can all thank Scott Hall and Shawn Michaels. And I think that's important. So RIP bad guy going to miss you. Um, Joel, anything else to say before I take this dog out for a walk on my last night with her? Uh, I mean, join the dark order. Join. I forgot to push button. Join the dark order. (laughs) Remember, everybody, life's a work. Duck the clothesline. And happy wrestling.